Good evening and welcome along to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Rate. It's Thursday night and usually I'm joined by Malcolm and Gibbo, but Gibbo has uh, had to get a little bit of uh, a little bit of emergency treatment on a tooth, Malcolm. Uh, I hope it's not the football that's giving him toothache. Well, I think it's giving us all a headache. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so we we'll um, wish we we'll wish John well. Hopefully, he'll be back next yeah. week and uh, at least he managed to get an emergency appointment, which is the main thing. Uh, good for him. Yes, I hope it all works out well. Good stuff. Um, I do want to uh, start off the show by um, playing a video, Malcolm, which uh, somebody has sent to me on Instagram. Uh, and this is a, a futsal uh, um, class, which uh, basically took a different direction. So um, I don't think it's got sound, this video, from what I can remember. It was sent in back end of last week. But um, this is a few kids at a futsal class trying to rec recreate one of your goals. So that's the goal, Mal. Yeah, wow. Which I'm sure you can remember. What an absolute belter that is, by the way. Now watch the kids. That was a good <laughs> one to start with. This kid does it well. Yeah. Look at that. Oh, very good. Too many bounces. Too many yeah, bounces. But he got it on target. Look at that. Oh, that's oh. a good one. Oh. He thought he'd scored and he goes for a second one, look. And that's got to go in. It oh. did. <laughs> Hey, they don't strike the ball well, these lads. He has a, that kid has a second goal. Yeah, but hey, honestly, thanks for sending that in on Instagram. I thought you'd appreciate that. Kids trying to recreate Malcolm's goals all these years on. It's fantastic. Uh, but if you've got any videos like that, please send them in. We will try and play them. Uh, if you want to try and recreate Malcolm's goal with a tennis ball or uh, something, but please don't do it anywhere near greenhouses. Uh, NUFC matters can't be responsible for where the ball goes. Um, so, so Mal, let's talk about the positive and then the negative. We've had two games since you and I were last uh, together. Uh, the positive was a wonderful performance. I would, I've gone on record already in saying I thought it was the performance of the season against Everton. Uh, absolutely. It was the performance of the season. Um, I, I thought they were absolutely terrific. Um, and I saw a whole new spirit and ethos in the side and people that i have been saying um have looked really bad players poor players they suddenly came to the fore and and i'll give you an example lewis at uh, left back i thought he looked absolutely tremendous against everton and he was getting forward. His timing was great. Um, he, even even his defending, um, which I have been highly critical of, looked okay um, in in defence. But then he was getting forward and and going with purpose. And so many other players all going with purpose. Um, and then uh, um, and then we get to Crystal Palace, and after two or three minutes having gone a goal up all the purpose was lost you know and and, and it, everybody just reverted to type pre-everton type and uh and, and it, it it looked awful and you could you could see in the crystal palace players they could smell 
but Newcastle had, had turned off and and they just started to go for it um, and, and and once they went 2-1 up there was no way that Newcastle were going to come back into it no way at all um, but and, and so where does this 90 minutes from against Everton come from um, where they can't you know Newcastle they desperately need to get two or three um, good results all in a row just to raise the confidence levels um, winning one losing one that's not good enough it really isn't you know and and having beaten Everton um, and then lost to Crystal Palace uh, we see Brighton go to Liverpool get three points there and go above Newcastle in, in, in the table and so Newcastle now they've got to seriously be looking over their shoulder I, I know that there's quite a gap between Newcastle and Fulham but for heaven's sake Fulham they keep picking up uh, um, points here and there here and there better than Newcastle have been doing um, and and so I, I still remain a, a worried man um, at the moment I really do what what one thing I didn't understand was why Jones having had and I think that it was entirely his effect on the players at Everton that, that brought that fantastic um, uh, um, showing. Why then against Crystal Palace was he up in the stand? Yeah. Why? He, 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 he can see, he can see and get a really good view of things, but he's not going to be able to have any effect actually with what's happening on the pitch. Well, he was in the stand early on, Malcolm, and then it's led to and believe. Then he, came down. then he came down, yeah. But I mean, obviously, I took a picture on off off the TV, and I know. Look, there was ninety minutes of football, and my photograph though captured a, um, you know, just a moment in time when Graham Jones was really bossing the team and telling them what to do, and Steve Bruce and Agnew were standing back. And yes. to be honest, Bruce gave him a. What can only be described in the northeast as a hacky look. Um, yep. He wasn't very happy about it, and yeah. you, you got the impression at half time he was told to wind his neck in and sit back down. And yeah. possibly, possibly the second game, the game against Crystal Palace, he was given a different role, maybe so that he didn't embarrass the gaffer. Or yes, uh, was he actually told get up in the stand? Mm. You know, well, if if that's the case, you know, if the, if the fellow's here to help, and and it was obvious that he can help by by what we saw um, against Everton, then let him go where he wants to if he can have that really good effect on the players. Um, that and he did have an effect on the players, an effect that. Nobody there, Steve Bruce and his two other coaches, have not shown whatsoever since they walked through the door. 
Um, and it, it was it was such a sea change against Everton. The attitude of the players, the way they went out, the, there was a determination about them. John Joe Shelby, good heavens above, he was actually playing in the in the opposing half. In, 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 instead of just outside of his own penalty area, you know. So obviously, things were changing for the for the better, for for the more positive, and then it all reverted to type um, after about five minutes against Crystal Palace, and and that I just don't understand. And if Steve Bruce is happy, and and there is one other thing, I must pick Steve Bruce up about that he said well we've seen this improvement coming for a number of, of weeks this is what he said up just after the Everton game uh, we in a in a number of the past performances we've seen this improvement coming no you haven't because there hasn't been any there hasn't been any at all and if you Steve Bruce are, are going to try kidding us you are going to be loved out of this city. Yeah, that's the problem. It's a strange situation we find ourselves in. Steve Bruce, obviously, uh, you know, not the fans' favourite. It has to be said, and uh, we're in a we're in a bit of a pickle. But um, we'll see how things yep. progress. Good evening to Gareth Varty uh, from Spider VPN, uh, and they are our sponsors for February. Uh, Spider VPN uh, will be sponsoring our Streamyard application, so thank you very much to them. They've I also love the logo. Absolutely fantastic logo. It's good, isn't it, Mal? It is. It is great. Uh, well, listen, there is good news for our uh, regular viewers as well. Spider have also said that they are willing uh, each match day live to do a prize draw uh, for one of our lucky viewers to win a free Spider Connect router and 12-month VPN subscription. So they're going to do that for each match in February that we cover. So great to have them on board. Thanks very much for joining us, Gareth, uh, tonight on the show as well. But uh, Malcolm likes your logo, so that's a good start. Yeah, <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about, um, and we'll come to people's questions th throughout the show, but let's talk a little bit about Joe Linton. Um, broke COVID rules, Malcolm, by going for a haircut. Um, not something I need to worry about. I can do it myself at home. But uh, Joe Linton clearly uh, is somebody who you know feels as if he needs to get a haircut. Now, I'm not going to victimise him and pick him out because... You know, according to the hairdresser who, you know, did his haircut, then, you know, plenty of the footballers have been going and getting this done. Unfortunately for him, he chose to put it on social media and, um, you know, draw attention to the fact that he was getting it done. Well, the decision's been made to fine him today. £200. That's it. £200, Mal. Uh, look, I mean, I'm not really making this a... a I don't want to fine on him or the police. Um, when I, I, I first heard it, I thought, oh, well, that's what the police are doing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy, isn't it? £200 fine. It, it yeah. doesn't really send a, a message to anybody, does it? Um, you know, no, for, it doesn't. You know, it, it, doesn't. it suggests they're not taking it um, all that seriously. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a strange one, isn't it? But bad PR, I think, really, as well. Bad PR. Mm, yeah, very bad. Very bad, uh, um, considering that other clubs are, are coming down very heavily on players who disobey the current rules. Yeah. Very heavily. 
Jonathan Ward's got a question for you. He says, Malcolm, can you recount your memory of the Derby versus Fulham match in 1983 when you witnessed Derby fans standing all around the pitch trying to kick your players and affect the result? He says, it sounds crazy. Now, I think Jonathan asked this question last week, but we didn't get to it. Can you remember that, Mal? I certainly can. It was the last game of the season, Steve. And, uh, um, and the situation was that, that my Fulham side had we have been third in the um, second division right the way through the season but Leicester came on one hell of a run um, and we're in fourth place and it worked out that we needed to draw at Derby and but Leicester needed to win as it happens Leicester drew so we needed the win at Derby, but the uh, <laughs> the real thing that uh, that threw a grenade into it was that if Derby got beat by us, they would be relegated. And so it was a really tense game. And with about 22 minutes to go, Derby scored. And within a couple of minutes people had come over the barriers and weren't just around the pitch but they were actually coming on and after and after about a further two or three minutes me trying to see what was going on on the pitch i had to i had to come out of the dugout over the track and actually go onto the pitch by 10 yards to see around the crowd that had encroached onto the pitch and and so if you can imagine this was the um the half that derby were um were attacking and uh, um and, and fulham defending it and um uh, sorry this was the half that derby were defending we were attacking it and the crowd had gone 10 yards onto the pitch uh, in, in, in rows uh, all along the side that the dugout was on and then all not all the way along on the on the um on the goal line they sort of missed out the goal bit so there was a there was a whole line of, of the crowd on the pitch and then it sort of stopped short just by the post and then it restarted again just beyond the other post and went towards the corner but then it went up the other side and it was it was 10 yards deep again of people and and it was getting it was it was ridiculous situation so ridiculous and Robert Wilson, midfield player for Fulham, he controlled the ball um, sort of on the inside left position um, and he was fairly near the, the crowd and, and a young, and a, a sort of uh, somebody in his about 20, 21, rushed out from the crowd that was on the pitch and booted Robert Wilson on his thigh 
and, and the game just continued. The referee honestly didn't know what to do. Didn't know. So we're 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 one nil down um, against Derby, and and the Derby supporters have just pretty much reduced the Derby half to next to nothing. Um, and and so it's we're not only finding it hugely difficult to actually play, um, but it was it was a very threatening circumstance that the players found themselves in, and. And, uh, and then, the, the, as the game continued, and we were sort of coming towards the end, still at 1-0 to Derby, um, the referee blew his whistle, and the crowd just, poof, just covered the whole, the whole pitch. Started assaulting all the Fulham players, and, and, and I thought, he hasn't blown for full time, I'm sure of it. Um, but anyway, I was more concerned about getting my players safely off the pitch, and and I'm sort of counting them going up the tunnel to the dressing room into safety. Um, and there was still one to come, and it was Jeff Hopkins, who was my um, young right back, and he he, um, he suddenly emerged from the crowd. There wasn't a, a bit of kit on him except his socks and boots. Everything had been ripped off him, and the whole of his body was just uh, um, was just covered in scratch marks where that they had ripped the the, the kit off him. Um, and he went uh, running up the tunnel, and what a, 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 a dreadful state he was in. And so we got up into the dressing room, and, and Jeff Hopkins—he was—he could—he couldn't speak um, for, for shock that he had experienced out there. And so I, I went through to the um, to the referee's room, and I said, "I said, Mr. Referee, I said I want you now in in our dressing room. You must come and see what um, what's going on there." So he came in and he stood in front of Jeff Hopkins, who was in this dreadful, bloodied state. And he just said, uh, but the game hasn't finished. That wasn't the final whistle I blew. And I just went, oh, no, what do we do now? Um, and, 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 and the farce just continued as we, because the... When we protested, uh, the football authorities said it wouldn't be fair on all the other clubs if we were allowed to replay that particular match. Um, uh, and so it, it finished a, a, a dreadful farce. I think it was the football authorities getting their own back on my chairman, um, Ernie Clay, who, uh, who was very outspoken and critical of them in charge. And uh, so uh, this was them getting their own back. Um, but what happened to Jeff Hopkins was absolutely horrendous. And, uh, uh, um, and Derby really got away with it um, on, that, uh, on that occasion.
Good stuff. Thanks for sharing. And Neil McMillan says, after the tackle on Wilson, knee-high stud showing, why do we bother having VR? VAR? <laughs> um, I, I would just um, reading that, uh, how it's been created, obviously it left uh, the writer in shock. I, I was just beyond belief. My, I, it sort of like my jaw had dropped as I was watching the television screen. Um, I couldn't believe what I saw. And for referee, two assistants, and the people on VAR to all dismiss it, um, it, it just makes a nonsense um, of, of the way that uh, the the VAR is being ruled in the way that referees really don't even know what they're looking at on the pitch at times. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy, really. There's been some really controversial yeah. decisions and it was brought in to clear up these controversial decisions, which... Uh... Well, that's right, but it's creating new and further controversies in itself um, and uh, they're not getting it right at all. It, it will be a very good thing if, if it works perfectly. But of course, you've got uh, uh, you've always got the risk of of, uh, of human error. Yeah, uh, Toon Man's a bit concerned about me. He says, "What do you do when Supermax internet goes off?" I'm praying that it stays on for as long as possible tonight. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll be having an early louse, as they call it. Uh, I, made it I made it last week, Steve. Yeah, you did. Just yeah, you've done two nearly two full shows, mate. So fingers crossed. Yeah. Spider VPN says thanks to you for uh, being uh, kind about their logo. John Ball, good to see you on, mate. Uh, he says, is it time to unleash ASM from the start, Malcolm? Uh, he's surely match fit now, or able to complete at least sixty or seventy minutes from the start. Well, who knows? Who knows? He he's um, had COVID, and uh, um, it's affecting a lot of people in many 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 different ways so uh to be honest i i don't know it it would it would have to be a, a doctor and a physiotherapist the physiotherapy department making a decision um and, and making suggestions to steve bruce on that one um you if, you know they might be saying well look he's good for 20 minutes but that's all you're going to get out of him. So you can either have him starting the game, but coming off midway through the first half, which is not really what you want, or come come on in the last 20, 25 as a threat. Yeah, I, there's something I want to ask you, Malcolm. Have you noticed with these substitutions, he always makes them round about the 65th minute mark? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, why, there's no, why does he do that? It, it's habit. Yeah, it really is habit. It's it's not giving it thought, right? Um, and uh, it, it, sometimes, it, for me, it's it, it's quite a waste of time because I think it is just purely habit. Yeah, it's just strange to, to watch, yeah, you know, this is the same old thing. You can predict it now. Uh, Tom says, what did you think about Man United beating Southampton 9-0 through the week? I mean, they had, they had two sent off, Mal. Uh, I know they're appealing one of those sending offs. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, there have been some crazy scorelines uh, and Southampton have been on the thick end of a, a couple of them. 
Well, they have, haven't they? Southampton have taken some right hammerings. Manchester City, didn't they wallop them um, yeah. with a, a very high score? And uh, it's happened two or three times to Southampton. Now, I, I'm sort of jumping ahead to, um, to, to, to what Newcastle are facing on Saturday. It's one of those situations where you think, well... Uh, has it completely and utterly diminished um, the whole of the Southampton side and that they that it's going to take them ages to get any confidence back into themselves and, and therefore that's good for Newcastle or are they going to say right, come on, this is never going to happen let's get out there, show everybody and, uh, and put a bit of an onslaught onto Newcastle who knows um, and, but I think Newcastle must be very aware of a backlash coming from Southampton uh, this weekend. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I had a text off uh, somebody else who wore the number nine shirt last night, Alan Shearer. Um, and he has mm -hmm. sent a couple of pictures and it's... Uh, Due to wow. his end, it's due to his new um, attempt to raise some money, much needed funds for uh, his charity. Um, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to put the link into the chat. But this is the Alan Shearer Foundation prize draw and uh, the chance um, to win a, a unique piece of memorabilia. Uh, so from today, you'll be able to help the Alan Shearer Foundation by entering his prize draw to win his match shirt captain's armband and the boots which he wore when he scored his 250th Premier League goal. Um, so basically you will go to the link which I'm just about to stick in the uh, the live chat now and it's £10 to enter. It's a prize draw, um, it's all above board uh, but that is a wonderful piece of memorabilia for you to win. Uh, comes in a nice frame, there's the captain's armband as well. Uh, but uh, a unique uh, prize for any Newcastle fan to win mm. and uh, so far uh, that prize um, uh, raffle is up to £38,000. So, uh, wonderful way to make some money for charity. Uh, best yeah. of luck to all who enter. Mm -hmm. um, I think I will be putting £10 in myself to see if I can win that as well. But uh, great of uh, Alan to do that. Uh, a lot of people asking you uh, what your opinion is. Uh, good Alan Thompson here. What's Malcolm's thoughts on the Burnley takeover? It sounds worse by the day. I am totally sickened by it. And I am disgusted with the Premier League. Just really the nuts and bolts are that the US takeover that Burnley had uh, in recent weeks uh, with ALK Capital um, basically has meant that Burnley are now £90 million worse off than they were with loaded debt. Um, quite unbelievable when you think that Newcastle's takeover, which would have seen them become one of the richest clubs in the world, if not the richest club in the world, was knocked back, Malcolm. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, you, you talk of the debt being brought into Burnley there. Very similar happened with the Glazers and Man United, didn't it? Yeah. Um, um, Man United suffered a huge financial loss in the whole thing. Um, but, of course, the, the, the kind of pulling power that they have, they, they, they got it sort of cleared and have, uh, and have been a very good investment for the Glazers. Um, I hope it works out for Burnley because I, I do think that they're quite a special um, football club and, I'm, and I do enjoy seeing them in the, um, in the Premier League. 
Um, and I like Sean Dyche a lot. I think he is absolutely terrific. Um, and I saw that if it doesn't work out for him, um, that he he may uh, uh, that he that he may well be linked with Newcastle United for next season. Yeah. Heard anything on that one at all, anybody? Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, I mean, I may yeah. get a job as I may get a job as a lookalike with uh, me bald head and me goatee beard, Mal. <laughs> uh, apart from that, I, I'm not sure whether I'd want Sean Dice here because it's just just shows exactly where we are. We've still got Mike Ashley in charge, but I'd rather have him than Steve Bruce if Mike Ashley does end up keeping the football sure. club. Now you uh, can look mean at times, Steve, but you can't look as mean as Sean Dice. I think I got sent off more than he did when I played football, Mal, anyway. But, uh, yeah, interesting, interesting. We'll see how it all develops. Mike Stewart talks yeah. about the uh, the European leagues. Uh, the Premier League and other European leagues are going to meet to discuss a new Champions League format from 2024. He said, could there be anything untoward behind this regarding the big six? So, yeah, there is, again, more rumours, more talks. I don't think this... This project's really gone away, has it? Uh, I think it's still bubbling yeah. away in the background, and I think that again plays its part with uh, you know Newcastle not being able to get that takeover through. Yeah. Uh, yes, there's uh, the the big clubs of Europe. Um, they're they're definitely on a move to. Uh, 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 how shall I put it? Um, to to. To create a, an, another level, whether it's whilst everybody is there and that they, they just become the cream of the crop, um, I, I, I really don't know. But it, it's uh, it's not good for football what we're witnessing. That I do know. Um, it's it, it will take a lot of uh, competition out of it, and if you play in competition. You've got to have rewards that are there and open to everybody. And that's what I think um, uh, is at risk. And, and, and I, I, for one, will be very sad to see anything like that happen. So, you know, the, the, the clubs like Bayern Munich and uh, Juventus, and, uh, um, uh, Paris Saint-Germain, they should, they should pull back. The game is a competitive one. It is not a closed shop. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Trey and Sun uh, just talking about the Fulham. It's a great Fulham side to watch. Gordon Davies was lethal in front of goal. Ray Houghton pulling the strings. Lineker and Alan Smith stopped them being promoted. Tim asks, who was Malcolm's best signing and best value player that he signed? It was already mentioned in the previous text there. Ray Houghton. Hmm. Um, yeah. He was at West Ham. He had been an apprentice, and then um, and then they signed him as a pro. And there was another lad there called Dickens. Uh, who, both were midfield players of the same age, and I I phoned John Lyle. And I, I said to him, John, um, a little birdie um, has whispered in my ear that you may well be letting um, uh, uh, Rave uh, um, uh, let go, let him go on a free. 
Ray Houghton. So I, I said, is, is that right or am I wasting my time? He said, no, he said, certainly considering it. He said, um, he said, I've talked with my staff, he said, and, and we felt in, in all fairness, only one of two of Dickens or, or Houghton are going to make it into the first team. They can't do it together. There isn't the space. Um, we said we've got too many really good midfield players. Um, uh, and he said, so we had to make a decision, Dickens or Houghton. He said, and we decided on keeping Dickens. As it happens, it never worked out for West Ham. Um, I think the lad um, went to Chelsea, never made it, never did anything at all in the game. Ray Houghton, um, he, uh, uh, I said to John Lyle, would you like to um, let me talk to uh, Ray Houghton? And he's, he said, I think Fulham would be great. The football you play would suit him down to the ground. He said, I'm going to send him over today. And I got him on a free transfer. Amazing. <laughs> now, if that's not good business, then I don't know what is. Um, and and so Ray Houghton, he, 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 he came straight over to Fulham. And it just so happens that the season had, had just ended. And we were getting prepared to, to fly out um, to Trinidad. Uh, and we were going to play in a, in a three-club competition the Trinidad national side, um, Queen's Park Rangers and Fulham. And and we were going to be over there for um, three weeks. Uh, um, so, uh, so I sat down with Ray and I, and, and I made him a much better offer than he had been on at West Ham. And, um, uh, and, he, and I, and in talking to him, looking to impress to get him to want to sign i said no by the way i said um in two days time i said uh, we're flying out to trinidad and tobago i said you've just got time to get home pack a bag and get yourself back here and uh, and we're going off to the caribbean um and it was a it was a clincher he signed he signed there and then um Good. And it, yeah, uh, he, he was a terrific signing. And what what I've what I've always recognised in football as player, as manager, whatever footballers often judge the manager on the players he brings into the club. And so I, I, I brought Ray Houghton in, and the players all just went, "Wow, Ray Houghton!" And they, uh, and so I was sort of uh, um, managing Fulham in, in heroic, with heroic status as far as the dressing room was concerned, you know, and and, and he lived up to everything that uh, the players expected from him. He was absolutely brilliant, absolutely. 
Great stuff. Oh. Tom Dixon says, uh, what's your thoughts on Joe Willock joining Newcastle? Um, it's interesting. Um, I don't know much about him because he has I haven't really seen anything really of him. If he's at Arsenal, then he is a good player. That you, you'll know for sure. But quite how he gets on in the Newcastle uh, mess um, that that we've been witnessing this season, bar Everton, um, I really don't know. What will he make of it? Good heavens above! You see, you know, Arsenal there, they're, they're so organised behind the scenes on the training ground and on the pitch, um, hugely organised. Um, and he might get a bit of a shock when he gets to Newcastle. I, I hope that uh, he uses the time well, because it's it's his chance of of a putting himself on the footballing map in terms of being a good player who can deal with Premiership football, who can shine at that level. Um, so. Uh, I'm sure he will come with the right attitude of that I'm convinced James Hughes says club should find Joe Linton £200 for every time he loses possession in a game and donate it to the food bank he says five grand raised for the food bank every match day I'll tell you what if if that was the case he would be skint absolutely skint by the end of the season he kind of get on the he kind of get on the pitch now. I'd I'd be giving up football if Steve Bruce wasn't picking us. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ja- he, <laughs> the, the last time the last time he started, Steve, I I purposely set out at the beginning of the game to count every time he got the ball, was able to retain con- possession or lose it. He lost it two out of three times. That's horrendous I tell you, when I was playing for Tunbridge as a 17 year old kid in the Southern League if if I had had that kind of average Harry Haslam the manager would have booted me out yeah yeah true very true uh, Alan Ball's first game as England captain was 1975 Germany game Supermax scored in he said uh, Jasmine says was Bawley the best player you played with the midfielder um he was the best of his kind. Um, when I first went to Arsenal, and there were one or two new faces in the dressing room, um, Borley, he came and he, he sort of stood in the middle of the dressing room and he looked at me and he looked at the other two new faces. And he said, I had, I had, I had, had this conversation anyway with Borley, but he, he did it for everybody. Um, so I, I knew what was coming because we played together um, uh, quite a number of times um, for England. And, and Borley, he said, uh, he said, now Mal, he said, listen very carefully. He said, uh, he said, when the ball comes to me, he said, make your run. He said, and if it doesn't come with me first touch, he said, just deviate your, your movement and make a second run, he said, because the ball will definitely come to you with my second touch. 
he said, and the reason I can say that is, he said, I've never had a third touch in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, he never did. He never had a third touch ever. He just got it, knocked it on, knocked it. And he just, he kept the move, movement going all the while as a midfield player and was brilliant at that. Absolutely brilliant. So yes, as, as that kind of a midfielder, he was the best. The very best that I've played with um, was a young lad in, in that Arsenal side. And that was um, Lee, uh, Liam Brady, Chippy. Ah, he was just unbelievably sensational. And he went out to Italy um, after a long spell at Arsenal and played for three clubs over there. Um, and he's just adored wherever he goes. He really was incredible. Um, left peg, never lost the ball. Um, and and there was one other that I played with, and that was Colin Bell, who recently passed away, bless him. Um, he was, you know, again, a completely different type of midfield player to Bawley or to Liam Brady. And he just went, shh, shh, shh. But he could play as well, and he could, and, and, and Malcolm Allison, of course, nicknamed him uh, Najinsky after the great racehorse. And and yes, he just went up and back, um, and he, and he was a he was a Geordie. Um, yep. I, I I didn't realise that at first, and when I and when I first joined the England an England squad that where he was and he was a very quiet man I just caught him saying something to somebody and I went good heavens you're from the northeast and I, I hadn't realized at all yeah great player yep okay great stuff um let's uh, just say thank you again to spider vpn new sponsors uh uh, for the StreamYard application this month and also a big shout out to qtechshop.co.uk makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls and Newcastle they also do our t-shirts and cups uh, which you can get uh, from newcastlelegends.com Malcolm has got his there and there's his Supermac cup uh, he's got his t-shirt good is. stuff thanks Mal and uh, big shout Always out that's it. Big shout out to John from Jab Signature as well, who designs all of our posters and uh, logos, etc. for free. Thank you very much, John. If you want to subscribe to the channel, click the little button in the bottom right-hand corner and just uh, click subscribe. Just gives you notifications as to when we are on. We're still doing seven nights a week. And if you want to click the little thumb, just give the video a like and give it a share to your social media accounts as well. And don't forget to join the chat. We've always got plenty of people on the chat who like to... Uh, talk about Newcastle and uh, give us a few talking points and uh, Paul Oxley's done just that he just says Malcolm what was Jinky Jim Smith like to play with he was my dad's favourite player yeah he was so many people's favourite player he was mercurial with his skills he was a total one-off um, do you remember um, there was a fellow called Mike Bailey he was captain of Wolves played in the centre of, of midfield. And Mike Bailey, he, he was a good player, but he was also hard as nails. And he would look to uh, to kick people up in the air and all sorts. 
we played Wolves at St James Park and Jinky I hadn't really seen much of him because for the first couple of years that I was at Newcastle Jinky was out injured um, and and it wasn't until my third season that he started to to get back into the side um, and and so went out and he was up against Mike Bailey who was revered in the game as as a really good player and hard man Jinky drove him demented absolutely demented to the point where Bailey was pulling his hair out he, and he was trying to boot Smithy right up in the air Jinky nutmegged him 26 times in 90 minutes. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure it's got to be a world record. But, but I counted it and I, I've never seen anything like it. And, you would, and it just looked for all the world that Mike Bailey was, was going to smash Jinky up in the air. And all of a sudden, Jinky just had this wonderful ability with somebody coming up behind him just to step slightly to the side and just with the outside of his foot just flick the ball through the legs and and finish up sort of whizzing round and and, fin and would arrive at the at the ball behind the fella who was trying to boot him up in the air i've never seen anybody do it quite like that bestie mm, once or twice did something similar but not as effective and, and as brilliant as, as the way jinky did it oh it was uh, absolutely fantastic um uh, and uh mike bailey seriously it he was driven mad by jinky and uh, and and it was one of the most amazing uh, matches that uh, that I found to play in, I, I really did. Uh, let's uh, look ahead to the weekend's game. Uh, first of all, just a little bit mm. of outgoing player news. Uh, I love the way that NUFC.com have uh, co uh, covered this. Squatter evicted, it says. Uh, Artraf Lazar has uh, left the club. Uh, he's become a free agent after reaching a financial settlement with Newcastle United. Uh, he was bought for two and a half million, never started a championship game, uh, and obviously was only restricted to a handful of substitute runouts, but he has now left the club, so that is one less financial strain uh, on Newcastle United. Uh, and obviously, yeah. Oh, we've lost Malcolm. There we go. 1847 and uh, Malcolm's gone we didn't have a bet on this either guys so uh, it's whether Malcolm comes back so here I am doing the last 15 minutes on my own uh, it will be interesting to see what uh, happens in this last 15 minutes and whether Mal does come back uh, lots of questions for Malcolm any questions for me might as well uh, might as well take them on board Who's who's at the dogs out, says Tom. Yeah. Uh, well, just to look ahead to tomorrow night's show uh, and we'll see whether Malcolm logs in. Uh, tomorrow night's show is the three amigos. Um, we've got Steve 
Neil Mitchell, and uh, we've also got Ian Mearns joining us tomorrow. That isn't Ian Mearns, that is uh, Marlon Brando, of course. Uh, another great poster by John from Jab. Um, but yeah, we have them joining. We've also got a lad called Ian Pearson uh, joining us tomorrow. And um, those of you who don't know Ian, um, he is, does a lot for the LGBT community, uh, and he will be coming on to give us his views on uh, what we've seen over the last... Uh, uh, over the last few weeks, he is the chair of United with Pride and United as one ambassador. Uh, he's a passionate Newcastle fan uh, as well as a passionate sports fan as well. But he will be coming on to, uh, to have a little bit chat about that. Tell us exactly what United with Pride is doing at Newcastle United and uh, looking forward to uh, hearing what he has got to say. So he will be joining us tomorrow night. Ian Mearns, of course, is the MP for Gator, so he will be joining us as well. So... Uh, uh, looking forward to that. Three amigos, uh, half past five start. Uh, Saturday, of course, we will be doing our match day live for the Southampton game. And then on Sunday afternoon, we will be getting Gavin Peacock back. Now, we haven't had Gavin on the show for quite a while. Uh, Gavin, of course, has um, just released his new book. Um, so if you, uh, I think a lot of people on Twitter have been giving uh, Gavin a little bit of advice, um, t saying that he should have potentially used a picture of Newcastle United uh, on the book cover. But he's, uh, his book is called A Greater Glory from Pitch to Pulpit. Um, and that will be coming out over the next few weeks. Uh, it covers, obviously, um, his footballing life, the footballing family, um, what it was like to play in an FA Cup final, captain Newcastle, play at Chelsea uh, and QBR, his life under the managers Keegan, uh, Glenn Hoddle, Rude Hullett and Francis, and what it was like to work as a BBC Match of the Day pundit, and then leave all of that, of course, for the church ministry. Now, of course, a lot of you who will follow him on Twitter will see that Gavin mixes up his social media tweets uh, with uh, with a little bit of religion. Uh, and, of course, I've got to be honest, I've seen that, you know, wind a few people up, shall we say, and some people have had a pop at him uh, for his religious beliefs, not something which I uh, would, would you know, say is, is a nice thing for people to do. That's his choice, what he puts up there. But, yeah, I, I'll be asking him about his football, but I'll also be covering that. That's the book cover, a great a glory from pitch to pulpit uh, by Gavin Peacock so I think that will be uh, a really really interesting um, book to read uh, right let's get to uh, your posts and see whether Malcolm comes in uh, Tom Dixon says don't forget tomorrow's clue in the competition does it end tomorrow night yes Tom it does end tomorrow night so good good opportunity if you don't watch the three amigos um, we are doing um, a, a competition uh, which is called the Big Prize Giveaway, Win Something Tasty with Hasty. Uh, and Steve Hasty um, has uh, basically had these questions via qtechshop.co.uk. The first clue, which was given out on Friday the 15th of January, uh, was, if I've uh, got it here, bear with us, um, it was some, uh, some numbers. Anyway, ah, there it is. That was clue one. And then we had clue two. And finally, we had clue three. So, what happens next? Well, you have to use those three clues to help answer the question, which will be asked during the show tomorrow night. The first correct answer in the chat tomorrow night 
will be the winner. And John from qtechshop.co.uk, he will be watching live and he will be able to tell me who the winner is. So uh, that will be very interesting uh, to say the least to see who wins. So good luck if you uh, if you enter tomorrow night. Uh, here we go then. Uh, let's go through a few of these uh, questions. Well, John wants, uh, we want Gadusi trending on Twitter. Chris Marshall says, Steve, would you start Willock on Saturday and do you think Bruce will get sacked if we get another defeat? Chris, I don't think um, Steve Bruce will be sacked at all. I think that will be left to the incoming uh, the incoming owners. If we get new owners in the next couple of months, I think that will be a problem that they will have to deal with. Um, I do not think Steve Bruce will get sacked. Uh, would I start Willock on Saturday? I don't see what we would have to lose. We've brought him in. Um, he's been brought in on loan to play. He hasn't been being brought in on loan to sit on the bench. If he's had enough uh, training time and he's fit, I would give him. I would give him a run out. Yes, life goals. Did I ever meet Sir John Hall? What were your impressions? Yeah, I mean Sir John Hall did have. Uh, uh, let's show us here a few tete-a-tetes back in the day. Um, I did disagree with quite a few things that he did, but I also agreed on a lot of stuff. And uh, me and Sir John Hall are very good friends these days. Got a, a good relationship with Sir John, um, I've got to be honest. But yeah, I did like him. I know a few Newcastle fans don't like him. How can you not like anybody that brings Kevin Keegan to the uh, to the football club and uh, spends all that money on wonderful players? But uh, yeah, I have met him. Malcolm has saved me bacon. He is back. <laughs> and uh, we, we can talk now um, a little bit about uh, the, the game of the weekend. Newcastle, Newcastle Southampton, uh, Mal. Can you hear us? Steve, uh, you're breaking up. All right. Um, can you hear us now, Mal? Yes, I can. That's good. Good stuff. Yeah, and then you're frozen again. Oh, you're on a bit of a delay now, and now we're getting a bit of feedback. <laughs> yeah. Not quite sure what is going on there, guys, but... Um... Malcolm was uh, Malcolm was feeding back there. That was crazy. Couldn't understand. Couldn't understand. Yeah. Can everybody? How's the bacon? Did you say? Yeah. How's the bacon? He's gone. Yeah. There we go. Right. Okay. There we go. Malcolm has gone. Um, I've had to kick him off the uh, the broadcast. Not not a great uh, not a great end of the show it's got to be said but um where were we with the questions yeah willock yeah i did say that i would start him that's fine hi steve uh says jacks hi steve seen luke goss film last night you didn't last long no i didn't and uh, not my proudest moment but a good film to be in it has to be said t tank says thanks for the time with all the shows thank you very much uh, Keith Rowe, Steve, what are your opinions on Newcastle's business in January's transfer window and are there any positions you would like to have seen strengthened? Keith, it was a quiet window. It was to be expected. Um, from my perspective, I was pleased to see one player come in. I was really pleased that we didn't lose Richie. I think he's going to be a valuable member of the squad, even if he's not getting a game at the minute. I think it's valuable to have um, you know Richie in and around the dressing room area, especially. Um, and, you know... If, you know, he's the kind of player that could help keep you up. So yes, 100%, um, you know, pleased with that. Um, but the rest of it, I think fullback, we could have done with another fullback and we could have done with another forward, if you want my honest opinion. Mal's back again. How are you, Mal? 
Yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah. That's better. Good stuff. Happy days. Yeah. That, that was weird. It was repeating and going uh, It was going a little bit mad, but never mind. We got there in the end. Um, yeah. So... Let's look ahead to uh, let's look ahead to the weekend's game, and uh, we've already mentioned it's Southampton at home. It's a good old Saturday three o'clock kickoff, although again fans won't be allowed in. Once again, it's live on BT Sport. Um, obviously, a little bit early for team news as it usually is on a Thursday. Uh, Fernandez um, and Jamal Aspel, uh, Jamal Jamal Asels is expected to remain sidelined. Um, it is reported as well that the Premier League clubs must submit their revised 25-man squad before this game, so we'll probably see some news on that tomorrow. I think from Newcastle. Obviously, Southampton lost 9-0 at Man United on Tuesday. Um, obviously, they only had 10 men. Um, I think ben, I think Bednarek. Um, <laughs> can you hear us? Oh, he's gone again. He's gone. Mal's gone. It's not working, unfortunately. So I'll look ahead to the Southampton game on my own. Uh, unfortunately, we've, we'll have these issues sometimes with Malcolm, and uh, it is down to his internet, unfortunately. Yes, Bednarek, I think, has mounted a successful appeal, so he will now be available. Oriel Romu, Janik Westergaard, Kyle Walker-Peters were all missing at Old Trafford, but they have returned to training. Theo Walcott, Ibrahim Adalio, uh, Michael Obafemi, William Smallbone, Nathan Teller, Mohamed Salisu, and Stuart Armstrong are all expected to be unavailable this weekend um, Southampton have cobbled together nine players for the bench but alongside former Magpie Fraser Foster uh, there was a sizeable chunk of the, un- the club's under 23 side alongside another goalkeeper um, so you know they are struggling uh, they'll be over the moon that the managed to overturn that um, overturn that uh, suspension but from, from my perspective um, it's a tough game and I, I know Malcolm felt the same we were talking off air before he came on we all felt that it was pro- we both felt it was probably going to be a tough game this weekend um, I will obviously cover that on Match Day Live uh, but a big thanks to, to you for uh, tuning in tonight let's go through a few more questions uh, before I go uh, will a, a Southampton win spell the end of South- uh, Bruce no definitely not I do not think at all uh, we will see the end of Steve Bruce I think ultimately the, the situation will see Steve Bruce uh, stay until the takeover goes through. If a takeover doesn't go through, then ultimately I think we will see. Um, you know, I will see that that happen. Mal's, we'll give Mal one last one last chance. Here he goes. Yeah. Mal. Oh, yes. South, Southampton at home. How do you see it going? Um, it, as I said at the. At, fairly near the beginning of the program it really does depend on how Southampton react after that enormous defeat that they suffered to Man United uh, having witnessed the manager and, and the way that he goes on I would think that he he's not going to stand for any nonsense and he will be demanding that they get out and they make up for the embarrassment of that game and so I think the new that Newcastle are going to have a very tough prospect um, in this match against Southampton they but if they can if they can harvest all those good things um, that they did against Everton which was the last away game um, then I, I I don't see why they can't put on that kind of a display. Um, you, you've got a guy up front who 
who it, 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 he almost scores goals for fun when everybody brings him into, into the game. Um, and so if Newcastle can recreate that form that they showed against Everton, I think they can do well, really well. If they show the form that was Crystal Palace, mm, then they could get a wallop in. Because I really do feel that Southampton now come out all guns blazing to make up for that 9-0 thrashing. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be a tough game, Mal. Certainly. Well, thanks for managing to come back on and giving us your prediction, Mal. Good, it's good to have you on. We've got there. We nearly got there. We've got about ten minutes to go before the end. As I said, let's hope that John Gibson is okay and uh, yeah, he is he, he's firing on all cylinders, uh, like from our perspective. And he is back next week. But Mal, uh, have a good week. Stay safe. Look forward to speaking to you next Thursday, mate. Take care. All right. Hopefully, we can uh, talk together with three points in the bag. Fingers crossed. Take care, mate. Bye-bye. <laughs> Good night. Good night, everybody.